and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, and today it's our pleasure to bring to you the co-pilot conversation, a Jet Fuel podcast join. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera, and along with me, as always, is my astute, educational, incredibly handsome co-host. Oh, he's just the most handsome guy in the world, and I like his hat today. Look at that. None other than Matt Slard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say my hello, my friend. Hey, what's good? Yeah, we uh, I, I liked the hat last week. Figured I'd uh, delve in the closet, break out a new one this week, man. Always fun, always fun. Lots of hats, and no hat today. I got a haircut, so we're good. But uh, hey, you're so good. That, that's the secret. I actually was like, man, I need a haircut. I better grow there you go. Hat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, you know, a big hat guy, so uh, we'll break them out throughout the year. But Sliz, it's my pleasure to bring on today uh, one of the biggest pains in the asses in my my working life and my other life. Um, he is the, the, (laughs) he is the college football, national college football writer for the sporting news. My co my good co co coworker, my dear friend, Bill Bender, Bill, thank you for jumping on my friend. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining tonight. Quite the introduction. You know, everybody in our office, I, you know what, Matt, I appreciate Joe because there's some vets in our sporting news newsroom i'll say and i always judge people by are they going to give it back and if they don't give it back to me because i talk a lot and uh you know if they don't then i it's like one of those things if they throw it back in my face i'm like all right i respect them more so joe's always consistent about that and uh you know we have those nfl meetings but i'm very happy to be on the show thanks for having me yeah absolutely you know bill i i try not to talk that much stuff anymore because i feel like it's it's bad karma it's bad karma on me, but, uh, but we're going to hit you with some questions right off the jump. Um, I have a few questions for you and Sliz is going to throw some questions in as we get started on this co-pilot conversation. And my, my first question for you, and you know, we're a few months removed from it now. I think both fan bases are happy with the way it, well, relatively happy with the way it came out, but you bill are a massive Packers fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm curious, what were your thoughts on the, on the Packers trade? on the, on the Rogers trade to the jets, what was it kind of what you were expecting the, the compensation, just your general vibe around the deal? No, I think you, you hit it. I think there's a consensus that the jets get a quarterback that you guys haven't seen quite frankly, something like this. You're going to enjoy it because he makes some throws that there aren't five human beings on the earth that can make. He, he elevates a team I, we got spoiled in Green Bay. It's it's as a fan, not as an objective writer. You were spoiled watching him. At the same time, the last two seasons were very tiring uh, off the field, and you could tell you can tell by Aaron Rodgers' preseason that he's kind of reinvigorated. There's no secret there. And then on the flip side for us, it's I'm way more optimistic about Jordan Love than a lot of people, just based on what I've watched in the preseason the feel you get around the team. I spoke with Larry McCarron with the Packers this week about that very thing. And it's, it's, there's a little bit of freedom to it because for the first time in 25 years, they don't have a hall of famer under center. And in some ways that unknown can be exciting. You know, I just realized before we move on to the next question, I got a couple of Ohio guys in here, right? This is, this is brutal. Where are you from? Uh Oh, so are you an Ohio guy? You're an Indiana I'm, guy? I'm a, I'm neighboring. I'm a, I'm an yeah, Indiana right there you now. Go. Grew up in Michigan. So I've been I've been those, everywhere but Ohio. Those oh are God. not the same states, Joe. Well, I'm you know, depending you when you out, ask like, an east when you when yeah, you ask an east coast guy, the same. Right. <laughs> it's all the same. It's all the same once you pass Pennsylvania. So uh um, you know, you know, Bill, I think for for Jets fans, and I know Sliz and I talked about this a lot, there was never really a rush to get the deal done from a Jets perspective. So when the week of the draft hits and they make that deal that Monday before, Sliz and I were like, what's what's the rush? Like, like wh- why why make the deal now? Why not wait the Packers out? And I think that's our that was our biggest, and Sliz, you can jump in here. That was our biggest beef with the trade, I think, aside from like losing out on the fringes, like Sliz will mention. But uh Sliz, your your thoughts, I want you to, to jump in here and let them know because you can explain this a little bit better than I can. Yeah, it, it felt like it was either you make the trade right away, ideally prior to free agency. And I think we saw the the quotes from Orlando Brown Jr. who, hey, the Jets pursued me. They offered more money, but the Rodgers situation was in flux, didn't really know what was going on. And of course, he ended up in, in a, a good situation with Cincinnati. But 
it's kind of hey, you, you either make that early figure it out early to attract free agents or you kind of just play the long game and you, you don't blink first and once you get past that first draft and you spend all the capital then then you're kind of you're you're tied to that what was it about this time of year deadline on his on his option and the payment payment out there um yeah it felt felt weird not only i, I think it was probably close to ballpark and compensation that i think that first round swap was kind of the maybe the kicker that was more than than us as jets fans would have liked to give up but um yeah i guess your thoughts on that the timing around all that well joe and i were playing gm back and forth i remember that slack conversation and i'm a very difficult person in those i was like why why would we trade him he can sit you know <laughs> we don't have to you know, let him go, this but you realize <laughs> what the PR disaster that could have been was. So I was happy with what Green Bay did in the draft in general. And, you know, the Van Ness pick, we're going to wait and see. He's always going to be kind of connected to this trade. Um, but they, it was funny. I was like, they're totally going to draft a receiver now because we've been through this for how many years. And the Packers simply will not draft an offensive player in the first round. So, you know, at the end of the day, there was that, okay, that trade's over. What are they going to do? And they did. If you watch the preseason, the guys they drafted are going to catch passes from Jordan Love. Jaden Reed's going to play a lot. Uh, the tight ends, both of them, Musgrave and, and Kraft, they're going to play a lot. Musgrave in particular, I think Green Bay fans are very excited about him. So, again, it's one of those rare – I feel differently about this, and I know we'll talk about it at some point, but – this feels different than Brett Favre. And I can explain it to you from a fan perspective of Rodgers. It was kind of like, okay, both sides are happy. When Favre left, because of how beloved he was to the organization, because they had just come off losing to the Giants in the NFC Championship game, and the Super Bowl window was like open still in theory, that one hurt way more. I would probably say – I was more actively rooting against Brett Favre in a Jets uniform than I will this year where it's like I'm actually kind of excited to see that Buffalo game from the standpoint of, all right, I mean, this is what you wanted, right? Like you want it out. Let's see what you can do. And with all those exciting young pieces the Jets have on both sides, it, I think they're going to be really good. I, I don't know what you – we had this discussion in our budget meeting today. Uh, what is really good to me? Good is the Jets are going to be good enough to get into the postseason and start. And once you're in from there with the quarterbacks in the AFC, it's who knows. Yeah, I, I think um, the whole the good discussion. What defines good? Because we were talking about the Lions and like when the last time the Lions were good, right? Mm -hmm. That was our discussion today. And it's like, do you, is is it like the 2014 season? Like, do you have to make the playoffs? Like, that's it's a good question. And I think. The, the kicker for the Jets here is that their defense needs to be top three, and it's not a question of they should be top three. It's a question of they need to be top three because I, I don't necessarily, and, and we'll get into the questions from the Discord in a little bit, but I don't necessarily believe that they have this abundance of skill position talent on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's good. I think it's fine, like maybe slightly above average. Like It's one of those offenses that the sum of the parts – um, is is that's that's going to be the whole key. It's not going to be just one guy. It's going to be the way that Rodgers distributes the ball this year. So, yeah, I'm kind of on edge. I'm on edge, but I think Rodgers will still be. I think he's still think he's got something left in the tank. But so I guess let, let me let me play reporter with you two for a second since we do that. Uh, is Garrett Wilson? He's not going to be Devontae Adams. What now? I always remind people Devontae Adams his first couple years in the NFL. He was playing behind Jordy Nelson. He was mm -hmm. playing behind James Jones. He yep. wasn't the alpha receiver that he – it took a minute. And Garrett's ahead of that. I mean, I watched – I live in Columbus. Garrett Wilson at Ohio State was absolutely incredible from the jump. And he's part of that ridiculous Ohio State receiver factory. And I think there's a connection there. You're seeing it on social media at least. If Garrett – is Garrett Wilson to you guys – is he 1,300, 12 touchdown good this year? He might be. I, I don't think there's much – Ennis feels strongly about this because Garrett Wilson's been his guy since Ohio State days. But, um, yes, I, and I don't think he has much of an option to be otherwise because this wide receiver room isn't overly impressive, Bill. Like, you look – Alan Lazard has chemistry with Rodgers, sure, but is Alan Lazard a true number two? 
I mean, I don't know. Uh, Randall Cobb is 137 years old. <laughs> like, um, and you look at the depth, you look at the rest of the depth, like Nicole Hardman already hurt his hand. And thankfully it looks like he avoided major injury, but, uh, and then you'll get down to the bottom of the depth chart and you're looking at Xavier Gibson, who is a, you know, rookie undrafted free agent. No, no faith in the UDFAs, man. No, we're carrying absolutely zero, <laughs> zero. Yeah. And, and Jason Brownlee, which isn't exciting. And, and Irv Char, like, it's not, it's not a great room, but like I said, I think it's, one of those things that the sum of the parts is going to be what makes this offense go. Because when you put it all together, it looks good. Like there's not any one intimidating room on this team. I don't think like people want to point to the running back room, but I don't know. So I, I think Garrett Wilson's him. I know you feel that way strongly. So what, what do well, you say? We laughed about I, if there's one little bit of what is, what is the word I'm even looking for? Like just kind of shaking your head. It's, Okay, like we talked about getting Rodgers more weapons in Green Bay for years. And right. who does he take to New York with him? Yep, exactly. Alan Lazard and Randall the same, Cobb. The same he, group that couldn't figure it out in Green Bay. I'm, like, I'm like, you guys are going to figure that out like we did. Where, um, And then get ups talking about, oh, we're the Packers need to trade David Bakhtiari to the Jets. That's not how it not works. Happening. That's yeah. not going to happen. Um, it's not happening. But – it, it reminds me a little bit of LeBron when he would go from Cleveland to Miami or wherever, and he would bring that two or three guys with him. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how that feels. Alan Lazard is a fantastic blocker. You're going to figure that out. He's, and, and that's an underrated skill in the NFL. He's really good at it. Cobb might, what did you say? 137? He's 137. Okay. And he'll still get, he'll get you a third down against the Patriots when you need it. You'll be like, that's why we signed him. So, um, yeah, he'll he'll have a couple guys like that, and I, I feel like they had a couple more that I was like, are they just taking Billy all the Turner? Now? That was the one. Yeah, there was Billy another Turner. one. Yeah, there you go. Malik Taylor, he got cut, but I assume he's gonna hit the practice squad. And then yeah. uh, Adrian Amos on the defensive side. Granted, that's pretty unrelated, probably, but yeah, we dodged a bullet because Mercedes Lewis signed elsewhere. So there's that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Liz, why don't you jump in here? I know you got a few. No, I, I mean, I think going back to Garrett, and so I was projecting out, looking at snap share and, and really target share from the Packers years, 2019, 2020, 2021, right? So two Rodgers MVP years, the years where they had Hackett there, um, and basically just ignoring last year, whether it's the wide receiver room being young, Rodgers injury, Hackett not being there. Like, hey, let's try to get a one-for-one because, once Corey Davis, then that he retired, and it's like, oh man, this wide receiver room's lacking that like additional guy that it felt like. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what Green Bay had those years, except we at least have Corey as like an upgrade over like MVS or um, that being Valdez Scantling or, or or what have you. And then it's like, oh, now we really don't, right? You have your Alpha and Garrett, which is your Devonte. You have Lazard, who's probably MVS from those years, and then you have Cobb, who's Cobb, right? And then you're kind of making up your t- your tight end rooms. You still have your one-two punch with running backs. And kind of what really jumped out year over year, Devontae Adams' target share went up, which probably doesn't surprise you, but it kind of keys in like, hey, over 30%, around 30% of targets are probably funneling to Garrett. And you already saw that in the, the two drives of preseason action, right? If, if Roger sees off man or he sees the corner cheating way too far up, He's just going to snap it, chuck it to him, let him, let him make a play. What, what really jumped out was Aaron Jones, all three of those years, was second in targets, which I knew they used the running back. I didn't realize they used the running back that much. It was between Aaron Jones and, and Jamal Williams. Um, they were they were basically 20% snap share or target share, sorry, which seems significant, right? So you know, we went out, we got Dalvin Cook. We're bringing back Brees Hall off injury. Brees Hall's going to get a lot of targets. And that was kind of my big takeaway is we're going to throw a ton to Garrett and then it's going to be spread out across everyone else. But Brees Hall's, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if he's second in pecking order in terms right. of targets. He's incredible too. And as I don't know if Joe told you, I, I am our college football writer by trade. So, yep. I mean, even when Brees was at Iowa State, he's an incredible all-around, all-encompassing. He was an All-American back for us at least once. I feel like he was second team one year. So when the Jets got him, and when it's ironic, when they played the Packers last year, I was like, oh, they have him, and we don't. And that's a – he had the 
dagger touchdown at the end of the game. But you mentioned Aaron Jones. I think one of the things with Green Bay is we always complain that Aaron Jones doesn't touch the ball enough. And now that you reel out them numbers, it's like uh, he's maybe a little more involved than we thought. But it was last year in particular where, mm-hmm. where there was a game against Washington. He had like six carries. And I'm like, yep, you're not going to win a game. And a lot of Green Bay fans believe last year at least thought without Devontae that Aaron Jones is the best player on that team because Aaron had a rough year. I get the statement, but he was the guy that they felt like should touch the ball more. I don't think that will be a problem in New York with Brees. And I, I love the Dalvin signing as somebody that's watched him for years with Minnesota, maybe on the downslide, but still pretty good. Joe's Joe looks like he disagrees. <laughs> I, you know, time. Bill, I can't, I just, I can't get behind it. I'm sorry. You know, I'm very, Sliz and I are very much in the same camp when it comes to running backs don't matter. And I think <laughs> that the one thing about having Brees Hall in that room is that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, you're kind of losing from a team building perspective. You're kind of losing that advantage of having a young, cheap running back room, right. On like cost-effective contracts. And it's, it's a gift and a curse that Corey Davis retired because that essentially $9 million you gave Dalvin cook is the $10 million that Corey Davis is leaving behind. Right. So it's like, is it actually worth it? Like, it seems like, I, I don't know. So, and, and cook is a guy that like you mentioned, we've gone over the numbers. He was one of the least efficient running backs last year uh, in ball. He's his shoulder is brisket. Like it's just like freshly smoked brisket. Like he's just cooked. And I just don't know how much juice he has left. And when you look at the room and you have Brees Hall and you have an Izzy Bonacondo, who you drafted in the fifth round and, you know, you take your pick of running back by committee. It's like, I'm not totally crazy about signing Dalvin cook for a one-year deal. And I know there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal or whatever you want to go there, but that's still money you could have saved for the trade deadline. That's money you could have rolled over. Like it's just, I'm not, I'm not crazy about it. I've, it, it just seems like a move. Like it almost feels like a Woody Johnson move. Like, Oh, well he's a name. We got to have this name, you know, but I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's, it's wait and see. I'm just not crazy about it. Dave, for, for me, it was less adding a veteran. I think getting a veteran running back in the room was good, and, and maybe Cook's the, the best guy that was out there, but it felt like a cream hunt. Even a, a Zeke, maybe at a lower price tag than what he ultimately got, felt like more of that thunder-lightning type compliment, more of the A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams prototype um, that we saw in Green Bay, as opposed to Cook's probably more of that lead-back Aaron Jones type, but I don't know that his shoulder can allow him to do the in-between the tackle stuff um, that you saw in A.J. Dillon and uh, Jamal Williams do. So that's kind of my concern, but that, I think really it's I, – I hope it doesn't artificially take away touches from Brees. And, yeah, you yeah. want him healthy for the whole year, but to kind of your point about Aaron Jones only getting six touches in a couple of games, um, yeah, he, I mean, he was crazy efficient last year on a per-touch basis, and – it felt like every touch that went to AJ Dillon or every touch that was just like a toss out to the flat. It's just like, man, why aren't we just giving the ball to Jones more? I hope we're not having that same conversation midway through the year with Brees. And incidentally, Jamal Williams was so excited about the Detroit Lions taking over the NFC North that he left for <laughs> New Orleans. So I'll take any Detroit Lions dig I can get in at any opportunity because uh, as Joe will tell you through these meetings, I'm, they are the most talented team in the division, but they are getting a large preseason hype pass for a lot of things. Thursday night football opening the season versus the Chiefs. Where did that come from? It's because – Where did you, that come from? You, I'll tell you why. Like, it's Dan Campbell that the media well, yeah. loves Dan Campbell, check. because And I like Dan Campbell. I think he's, he's fine, right? Like, uh, they love Dan Campbell. They love the, the whole – you know, we were talking about what is good. It good. This is a franchise that hasn't won a playoff <laughs> game forever. And I think one of the things, and, and through talking to, I'm working on a feature about Justin Fields and Jordan Love for Week One. That's a huge game. Um, the the division's open now, right? I, I don't. We'll get into the AFC East, but the way the NFC North balances is Green Bay's dominated that thing for so long with those two quarterbacks and the you know however many division titles. Minnesota, I think, is being undervalued. They won the division last year. They're not going to be as good. They'll regress offensively, but their defense will be better with Brian Flores. 
it will be better. Um, Detroit's got the most talent, no doubt. Um, they also are not, but they are not so much ahead of everybody else. Justin Fields is arguably, you could make the argument, the most explosive quarterback in the division. And Green Bay's roster is better than people think. I, I remind them, Green Bay was one game away from the playoff. And I don't know that Detroit's running a slot lateral play, you know, whatever they ran on that second down. They're not running that if, if it's – they have nothing to lose. I, okay. I, oh, and Aaron Rodgers played not well in that game, and that's putting it lightly. So, I mean, those are – that's how I see that division. I see your division as an outsider as – I mean, Buffalo is going to be good. The Jets are going to be good. Um, New England, I'm not – probably about the same. I think Miami's kind of the X factor team because when they get that thing rolling, uh, the offense, they were hot as anybody last year. So you have three potential playoff teams in a division where those playoff spots are limited yeah. because everybody's good. And this listen, I feel the same on the AFC East and that's, we're going to walk into MetLife in week one and we're going to smack the bills right in the mouth. I, uh, that's, that's just the vibe I get right now. I don't, there's something, Bill, that just feels off about the Bills this year. No There's Von Miller some, to start the year. No Von Miller. Like, the Stephon Diggs stuff was super weird. Like, there was something there, right, between, like, the play. And, and you know this as well as I do, Bill. Right. And, and you know, like, these stories don't come out unless there's something, right? So right. Um, their offensive line isn't impressive. It's not overly impressive. Not to mention, Josh Allen, for one reason or another, never plays well against the Jets. <laughs> Like he he's got he's even, got eight. even our disaster years, man. We still yeah. we hung with them. It, like it was like six field goal type games for yeah. them. Like, yeah, we'd lose twenty to seven on the scoreboard, but it's like it's not easy. Eight <laughs> touchdowns, seven interceptions in his career against the Jets. It's like that's not overly impressive for a guy that supposedly owns a division, right? I, he so turns I it over know. a lot. And, yeah, he does. You know, I think the angst, and and I'm in the middle of it here, and a lot of my buddies are Bengals fans, and they cannot stand Buffalo. <laughs> they they are there's a little bit of a rivalry that they really can't stand the Chiefs right now, but that's mm. a story for another day. And you know, I kind of depended on them. I said, listen, guys, I mean, they have Joe and they're content with Joe Burrow. But I said, Aaron Rodgers will get to the playoffs. That's the first thing I told them when that trade happened. I was like, because they they get on me, Packers fan, whatever. I said, you're gonna play the Jets in the first round of the playoffs. I can see it now, and you're gonna hate it because that would be a like a worst possible matchup for a team like the Bengals team with a good defense, a hall of fame quarterback. Um, if the jets get to the playoffs, that means that it worked. It didn't mean that it didn't work. And um, yeah, I, I mean, but I see the same things as you with Buffalo. I, I, I think Josh Allen gets a little bit of a pass. I'll say that um, rosters talented. You, the, the Stefan Diggs thing that could deteriorate if they, are a five, six kind of seed where they're not the chiefs. The chiefs are proven to me that the chiefs could throw. I don't, I don't, we talked about their receivers today, Joe. I don't care who their receivers are. They have Patrick Mahomes. Right. Yeah. There's just something off about the bills. I don't know. It's just, it feels wrong. It's just a vibe. It's the vibe thing. I also think Sean McDermott can be a bit of a bozo. Like he, he's just like, it feels like he, his team, it's not that his teams are underprepared, but like in big spot, that that Bengals playoff game, man, that was sloppy stuff. Like in your own building, and that's a game that you're supposed to be prepped for, and it just was ugly. And yeah, it just they, was, just, they just yeah. need the rematch in the dome. That's all they need. Yeah, yeah. They need a dome. Like that was over after one quarter. Yeah. I thought wow, that's ugly. a wrap. The Bengals well, took it, it to them. It got it got glossed over because uh, Obviously, because of the Demar Hanlon injury, but that that initial game late in the season wasn't going well either. They no. they were getting it taken to them. Yep. So, uh, Sliz, I know you got some college football questions on here on deck for for Bill, and you know Bill's obviously the sporting news college football writer. So, why don't you let him rip? Yeah, man. So I'm a, I'm a Big Ten guy, Purdue guy. Um, so here in in Big Ten college football country, what's I mean. I'm sure you you've probably written plenty on it. Just the super conference movement and I'm, the big 10, the sec, I guess the big 12 being the, I wasn't sure if it'd be big 12 or pac 12 ultimately when stuff started flying, but it's looking like big 12, like what, what's your thoughts on it? And I, 
don't have to go super no, in, in, right, into right. ranting mode on it or anything. But oh, it's it's not good. It's not good where the sport's headed in general. It's it's trying to be the NFL without the makeup to be the NFL. And I say that in terms of I always use the analogy. I love both sports. I do. I, I love college football. Don't get me wrong. I argue with my editor Bill about this all the time because I think college football thrives on the regional feel of it. You, you said you're a Purdue guy. So you're in a year, you may have to sit up at 10 o'clock to watch Purdue play Oregon out at Oregon. And no Big Ten fan wants to do that. No. It's like, no, the SEC has the best self awareness of any conference in this country because it's all confined to that region of the country. They added Texas and Oklahoma. That's tangent. That's fine. Their commissioner is the best commissioner of all of them. He is, uh, College football needs a college football commissioner. He would be the guy I would nominate. NIL and transfer portal. I don't care about those things as much. It's great. Student athletes make money. Fine. They transfer wherever they want to go. That's great. But um, the regional field has been ripped out, and interest is waning a little bit. The difference with the NFL is I will sit there on a Thursday night and watch the Titans play the – commanders and i watch it even if it's awful it, oh, yeah. it, it's even better if it's awful because i'm texting <laughs> my buddies about how terrible the quarterback play is yeah. cold, cold cold broncos from last year right? yes oh <laughs> i'll watch it because i like it and or i'll have a dfs game going or i'll have something in fantasy football or now that betting's legal in ohio you can throw a couple bucks on an nfl game and you know hit that so the NFL's mastered that, and they've mastered getting people in Ohio to care about the Chargers game. I don't think people in Big Ten country, unless it impacts Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or, or Purdue in your case, if Purdue was in the hunt, you're not going to sit and watch Miss- Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I'm, I'm definitely not watching Stanford play Washington state or anything on the right. West coast. Like you said at 10 PM. Now I do because, it, but I, if I wasn't writing college football for sporting news and I was working a nine to five job of, of some sort, I would not stay up and watch those games. I would probably just, I got my teams. I got my own mater. I'll watch big 10 football. I'll watch Ohio state, Michigan, Notre Dame, because I've been doing that since birth. And then I'm good. And, um, you know, Notre Dame and Joe knows this, like, so my, my view on Notre Dame has changed. I used to be the guy that said, they've got to be in a conference. Now I'm like, I wouldn't, (laughs) I would, because these conferences may well fold in five years. I would keep my TV deal. I, if, as long as I have access to the playoff, as long as I can play my rivals and I have my ACC arrangement, I'm good. And and you saw that. I mean, by the way, uh, they look pretty good Saturday. Oh yeah, yep. they yep. absolutely did. What what kind of with that? Might have lost my thought there. Hold oh. on. So, while, you, while you while you revisit oh, that, hold on. I got to throw this up on the screen. <laughs> Big Ten bringing in these West Coast schools to make sure Rutgers doesn't build the dynasty sad. I, I I wholeheartedly agree with this, Anthony. It's a great take. Great take from the chat as always. We appreciate that. But, Anthony uh, Anthony knows that Rutgers is you know, and Rutgers to their credit. They're getting money for that. That why wouldn't they be in this? Conference? Listen, I am so over Greg Schiano. I can't even begin to explain. I cannot begin to explain the hype with this guy has been, and I understand like he built some some like feisty teams in the early two to mid two thousand. But it's like it, it's very much like I'm at the point in like what have you done for me lately? And I kind of hate being that kind of fan. But like his teams are undisciplined. They get blown out every week. They still can't recruit. It's just. And I understand these, these, you know, the Ohio States of the world and Michigans of the world come to New Jersey and they set up their satellite camps in North Jersey and they take all of the state's best players. Like, I get it. Like, hey, I get that's the way it works. But if, if Purdue can win the Big Ten West, Rutgers can field the 500 team, right? Like, I just don't know where you go from here. It's, if, as a Rutgers, like, as a Rutgers professor, as a Rutgers student, grad, like, I just... I don't know. Maybe. Well, and, and the, the insanity part of it to me is going to happen this week where, you know, the biggest winner of realignment is going to be SMU. And they're going to get in a conference by not taking a share for seven years, potentially having their boosters basically pay to get them a seat at the table. And 
it, it really has flipped the conference around and, and the regional feel of the game. You know, uh, the NFL, again, the AFC East can have a team in Miami and New York and Buffalo. Well, that part of the country mostly. But Miami, those rivalries are the rivalries. If, if they took Miami out of the division and put the Texans in, I don't think people would be happy. I really don't. There's a, well, we got to play Miami and Jacksonville every year. No, that's not going to, that's not how it works in the NFL. So, and I think the athletic Stuart Mandel brought up this point in a column. And I, I the more I think about it, he's a hundred percent correct is what these TV net networks are betting on is the casual, the casual fan. That phrase gets thrown around so much. It's so insulting to football people, honestly, because I think college football and NFL fans are a lot smarter. There's a lot more of them. They're betting on, the casual fan in a big city that would otherwise not watch it will sit there and watch USC and Ohio State, while the actual Big Ten fan like us is going to be subjected to, oh boy, Oregon, Minnesota at TCF Bank Stadium. Nobody's going to get excited about that. No, I got uh, I got one here from the from the chat. Buckers is cursed. Yeah, that's probably that's probably about right. Um, I have another question here before we move on from the chat. So, Bill, a lot's been made about Deion Sanders in Colorado. Your thoughts on how that's going to unfold? Yeah, I got to write that article tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so, spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, I can give you a preview of what I'm thinking at least. So, he finds the camera, like the camera, well, the camera finds him. He doesn't need to find it. It's in his hiring created such a buzz because there's people from my generation that. I hated Deion Sanders as a player because he played for the Cowboys and he crushed the Packers. He was so good on those teams. But the more, the the thing that some people might not realize is yes, he has style in the prime time and the, you know, the Cowboy hat or the chains or whatever. There's so much substance behind his coaching that people don't see. And it was the same as a player, best cover corner ever. And um, the recruiting part, this year when they had all this attrition, I was like, I don't really, that doesn't bother me. Colorado was one in 11, you know, they're bringing his son, they're bringing the most exciting two-way player in college football and Travis Hunter. There's going to be bumps in this first month. Their schedule's ridiculously bad. Uh, TCU, Nebraska, USC, Oregon, they could start out 0 and 5. It's entirely possible. But I think you'll see in the second half of the season when he's less in the limelight that they'll build some momentum for next year there are people that think he's going to build the second coming of the U and there are people that are thinking that they're going to go on 12 and he'll be fired this year. I always like to find the middle. I think they'll go four and eight or five and seven, and then they'll build some momentum for year two. And his kid's good. Shadura Sanders is a fun quarterback and I, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy in that conference, but you know, Dion and Dion will be fun along the way. And when he says he has a, I guess I could ask you guys that question. Other than Nick Saban, there's a, a handful of coaches that have a voice in college football that everybody hears. Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, Kirby Smart. Dion hasn't coached a game and he has that voice. Oh yeah, big time. Yep. Yep. I, I can't even I can't even get to tell you who who else would be on that list. Like, you know, maybe some years ago it would have been Chip Kelly. Right, you know, like like maybe Chip Kelly, but Chip Kelly's like falling off. Look, you know? Les Miles, yeah, Les Miles. Yeah, a lot of like, a lot of guys have moved on, I right? Mean, yeah. Urban, Urban, Urban Meyer, Urban, yeah. Urban's NFL career, but in at the college level, when Urban said something, it carried. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, one more question for me, Slis, before I throw it to you for our last one before we move to to Discord questions, but um, the Brian Kelly and LSU thing is is just so interesting to me, and I think last year went about as well as it could in his first year. How do you think that's going to play out this year? I, I almost feel like it's not that it's an act, but I almost feel it's still a misfit. It just doesn't, it's one of those things that doesn't feel right. How do you, how do you think that situation is going to play out? Well, it depends on what the expectations are. I mean, they're still playing behind Georgia, which you saw in the SEC championship game. Um, they are, there are three teams talent wise built to win the national championship every year right now. It's Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio state talent wise. You know, scheme-wise, Michigan had Ohio State's number the last two years, but you look at their roster, there isn't a ton of four- and five-star guys. LSU would be the fourth roster, I would say, because they always have four-star guys. They have five-star guys. They, 
they made it work with Jaden Daniels last year. And this Florida State game this Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of, for, for the NFL types, there is a lot of NFL ta- talent going to be on this field. Mason Smith will not be. Uh, Jared Verse will be. Johnny Wilson. He, uh, LSU's just got talent on both sides. The, they're going to have a lot of these guys drafted. So I, if the expectation is to be in the playoff hunt, which they'll be in the 12-team playoff a lot, but Brian Kelly went there to win a national championship. The last three LSU coaches won national ch- titles. Nick Saban, Les Miles, uh, even Ed O. <laughs> Ed O had the ironic – Ed O had the best team of the bunch too, which is so ironic that he had three Hall of Famers on that offense uh, potentially. Uh, so it, it's very interesting to me. And to answer your question, I think they'll continue to win. But with each year, the pressure to win that national championship is going to be there, much like it was through what was a very good second half of his run at Notre Dame. Go for it, Slice. No, no, I was just going to say uh, on the uh, transfer portal point, I think I think the Dion thing gets way more publicity than it really should. Uh, again, Purdue guy, they have 17 transfers on their two deep, right? They have a new coach. That's just the that's just the adaptation of college football where the transfer portal is crazy especially with coaching turnover so just want to get that point in but you're right and go ahead no i was gonna say with purdue i mean ryan walters yeah impressive at big 10 media day hudson every big 10 west school with the exception of minnesota is starting a transfer quarterback this year Oh, yeah. yeah that's, 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 that's where crazy. the game is. It's quarterback roulette. Some teams hit. Some teams don't. And most teams, it takes a second year. Everybody remembers Joe Burrow in 19. Joe Burrow in 18 at LSU did not go as well. So, I mean, there, there is a little bit of roulette to that. Yeah, big time. Last one I wanted to leave you on on the college side. So, I didn't watch week zero. Apparently, there's there's clock changes with the play clock. I've been very vocal about not – being a big fan of some of the differences in the college and the NFL sport, the the one foot down, but some of the clock stoppage rules, I guess, how did, is that the only rule change and how did that really affect pace of play? Is that something you expect to stick beyond this year? Yeah, because they've got to hit these three and a half hour windows and some of it's the commercial, like people were telling me, well, there should be less commercials. Well, I got news for you. There's not going to be less commercials. And so Navy Notre Dame was a tough one to judge because Navy runs a triple option. The clock's going to run anyway, but I am a fan of them because I think one, these clock rules were intended for a long ago college football. Now Texas tech runs 90 plays a game. So I think in that way, if they're going to emulate the NFL, it can't hurt. And I kind of have a rule. And this is a theory. It's not a great one, but it's a theory. You know, soccer has gained a lot of popularity in this country. And I think of the whatever reasons you say, one of the underlying ones is it takes two hours. It takes two hours and there aren't commercials. When you watch a college football game, sometimes they stretch into the four hour mark. There's too many commercials. It is too long. A younger generation. I have two kids. Their attention spans are what they are. They're not going to sit and watch a four hour football game. I think that three hour to three, three fifteen to three twenty, which the NFL hits better than anybody, is what the college game needs to hit. Yeah, I think you saw that with baseball, and and on the flip side, college football playoff last year, those games were long, right? They're in the prime yes. time block. They're getting pumped with commercials. Those those games dragged on, and and me, a guy that likes generally likes college football, I'm watching the premium matches. I'm watching specific guys to see hey how are they going to translate is my team going to be in on this guy that guy and it's like man i'm I'm ready to turn this off and go to bed this is just just dragging on me yep but you're exactly right so bill we got uh, some questions from there from our discord server um you know i'm a hodgepodge of question between packers and college college football so first question here from uh teutonic here thoughts on the packers promo in the fan bar where like every time the jets lose uh, the bar pays the tab. Any any thoughts on on what exactly this bar is doing? So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't have, like, a tremendous amount of ill will toward Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'll say this. When Brett Favre put on a Vikings uniform, that changed the game. If Aaron Rodgers plays for the Jets for a year and then he shows up in Minnesota in a year, 
I'm going to feel a lot different. And I remember being in Lambeau Field that year, and there were people in Packers jerseys wearing Favre jerseys, and people were mad about it. So I don't, I don't feel that way. I, I think for me, there's a deep appreciation for what Aaron Rodgers did for the Packers. He, I, I still think he's the best thrower of the football I've ever seen. I mean, period. And, you know, like I said, the last couple of years, it was just like, and Joe, you and I went back and forth about this so much. You were right about the fact that this needed to end. Yeah. And there was, you can pinpoint any moment where you said this needed to end. To me, it probably needed to end after they lost to the 49ers, not the second time, the first time. Because the COVID year kind of covered that up, that if COVID was played, full stadiums that that year may have gone different, but he responded after the Jordan love pick. I think they went two years too long. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those, like you said, and we've, we've talked about this and I have not from a, from a talent standpoint. Yes. I love Aaron Rodgers. I've always loved Aaron Rodgers from like an off the field goofy ass standpoint. Like there's no NFL player. I could, I could stand less than Aaron Rodgers, honestly, like aside from like the criminals and the guys who were doing dumb stuff, but like, he, he was just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. And I don't understand like, and that was me watching from afar, like not as a Packers fan. And I don't understand how Packers fans dealt with it. Like, I don't understand how you guys, how you dealt with it well, for as long as you did. We did the, uh, you know, goat mountain Milwaukee. I wrote that earlier this summer. And it was, there was a lot of the Favre stuff that's happened in recent years is hurt because he was the one that I will say for me, and the way that most Green Bay fans will tell you this is Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback. Brett Favre is the more beloved quarterback. And I don't think it's close because mm-hmm. Brett Favre won that Super Bowl against New England. He he had that aw shuck Southern thing down to a T that, that we all – but, I mean, it was in an era of football that was different. I, I remember how great it felt that they got through San Francisco or, or they beat Dallas once, not in the playoffs, but they beat Dallas. Like, that's – how it felt. I think one of the big, one of the things I'll say this and Joe, I would love to hear your opinion on this. I have noticed that with the move to New York, Aaron's got a little bit of a clean slate, so to speak with the media. Like he's beloved now again. He, you know, he's mentoring Garrett Wilson. New York media. The big bad New York media media has given him a big Manhattan makeover. Like I think the thing with the media up here is that, they love him now because he's going to the Taylor Swift concerts and he's being a New Yorker and he's doing and saying all the right things. But the second that this guy throws two interceptions right. in a game, like that's when it's going to turn. Cause that's we, when it's going to turn. The, the bitter part of me would say, well, okay, he's mentoring Garrett Wilson. Where was that with Christian Watson last year? Mm-hmm. You know, he's uh, got doing the handshake with sauce. Well, where was this guy? He, he right. definitely, like I said, rejuvenated, reinvigorated, got a makeover with the media because we're not talking about those annoying things that you and I had to cover the last couple of years. The, the COVID speech, the McAfee interviews where he would talk for 40 minutes and I'm like, what, what's he talking about? Like I, I, I'm at a point in my life where I'm not listening to that. Mm-hmm. The, the woke mob coming after him, Bill. That's what it was. Uh, <laughs> that was it. So we move on to a question from Sharp. Thoughts on McCord being named the starter for Ohio State? Well, um, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, McCord, obviously, a, a Pennsylvania guy, has played with Marvin Harrison. I think it's the safe pick. He started a game. Um, Devin Brown really pushed that in fall camp, though. So, you know, whoever – here's the – you want to talk about an insane bar to clear. So we've talked about this a lot on the college side. The last three Ohio State quarterbacks – I don't have the exact number, but I can get you close – Stroud, Haskins, Fields, all first-round quarterbacks, all Heisman Trophy finalists. In their first year as a starter, they averaged about 4,300 yards, 40-plus touchdowns, and seven or eight interceptions. So that system is great for college quarterbacks. I think Kyle McCord will do fine. When in doubt, throw to Marvin Harrison. He is unbelievable. And then they have a Mecca Buka. And then you hear the crazy part, Joe, is you hear – Marvin Harrison said, well, Carnell Tate, the freshman, he's ahead of where I was. You're like, good Lord. Um, and that's after Garrett and Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, despite the wrist injury. So I think Kyle McCord will do well. I think it really comes down to, you know, this big game against Notre Dame here in about a month. 
Penn State's going to be better. Michigan is a must win for Ohio State, which I find ridiculous in some ways because Ryan Day is – imagine if the Jets coach was 45-6, and six, but fans were mad about two losses to the Patriots. This is the insanity <laughs> of college football. Oh, I mean, I think we would be – I think we would be. You'd be all right if you were 45 and six. I'm not sure. I, I'd be okay with going like two and 15 this year if the two wins were against yeah. New England. Yeah, I'd, no, I'd that's be okay point. beating New England just once. once. <laughs> just right, once. There you go. There you go. There you go. Just Fair give enough. me one Fair win. Enough. Fair enough. Just give me one win. Um, all right. This one's from, uh, I think this is Vampiron. <clears throat> um, will Jordan Love end the year a top 15 quarterback? Well, I think Vinny Iyer at Sporting News has him at 14. And that's, you know, like I said, there's, there's tinted glasses, whatever green or gold, whichever ones I have to wear. And there's the reality. He has looked good in the preseason because they're getting the ball out quick. Uh, these young receivers are what they are. Uh, again, talked to Larry McCarron this week and he talked about how calm he is now again. So I put this pull up Twitter pull up about a week ago. I said, which game is going to create a bigger overreaction bills, jets, Packers, bears. And I anticipated it'd be pretty close. Turns out it was like 85-15 Jets-Bills. That's fine. Within the division, though, that game is hugely significant because Justin Fields is 0-4 against the Packers. They Green Bay has just dominated He's going to be 0-6 this year. Yes. Oh that would, but I think Lock it up. to answer the question, here's what Lock I – best case scenario for the Packers is 9-8, and eight, Slips into the playoffs, ups and downs with Jordan Love as kind of a, you know, I, not he'll be better than I think Kenny Pickett was because he's been in the league for three years. But that mid-range Andy Dalton-type quarterback that can get you in the playoffs, maybe win one, though Andy Dalton didn't do that. Um, and there'll be some moments where you're like, man, this guy is bad. And then there'll be some moments where it was good. I'm quick to point out Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter in Green Bay they went six and 10, but I still felt like they're going to be fine because I've seen some really good things out of him. And sure enough, the next year they got to the playoffs and then the next year they won a Super Bowl. You know, the one thing about Jordan Love, and I suppose you got a point here. The one thing about that Jordan Love has done that I don't agree with was signing that contract. Right. That's the one thing I don't love that he did because it just, there's something about it that just says no confidence. Right. Like, right. let me bet on myself this year and put you behind the eight ball. And and maybe that's just like too, I don't know, much machismo football. But there's something about it that just is like, I don't know why it's, it's an incredibly team friendly deal. Like it just it gives the Packers like all the flexibility in the world. And Jordan Love is not putting any pressure on the organization. It's just strange. It's just a strange situation. But yeah. And worst case is they get smoked by the Bears in week one. It goes downhill from there. And the, the one thing with him is you've got to watch, is he accurate enough? That was a really big problem early in his career. Does he avoid turnovers? You, again, getting spoiled with Aaron Rodgers, some of his interception stats are just insanity. That You throw yeah. an interception like 1.2% of the time. Like it is the pick six against New England last year became like breaking news because you just didn't see it. Jordan Love is going to have turnovers. He's going to throw pick sixes. and uh, But no, I mean, to answer some of the questions that you've had, I'll watch the Jets probably like a fan because it's a couple more years of Aaron Rodgers in there. I probably was more annoyed with him last year than I would be this year, like trying to root against somebody because mm-hmm. if you – well, no, I can't say that. There are athletes that I've rooted against. <laughs> no, no I, can't, I can't act like I'm like Mr. Perfect. No chance. <laughs> All right. Well. No, no, I was just going to throw out to uh, fuel your hate of the Lions. I, I heard a stat. I guess Jared Goff is potentially uh, on watch to break Aaron's, uh, was it, number of continuous number of throws without an interception streak? I think he needs like two, basically two games worth of throws, assuming he's getting, getting some volume out there. I think it was like 70 passes or something. So, something to keep an eye on first couple weeks there. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And we play, so with my buddies, we play the exchange game of like, all my buddies are AFC North fans and we like match the franchises. I don't have a perfect match for the AFC East teams to the, 
NFC North teams and probably nobody would care if you did, but I mean, we were def we would definitely be over the last quarter of the century, the new England of the division. Oh yeah. No question. <laughs> so everybody is dancing and excited that Aaron's gone and the best, like I've told Joe and everybody at sporting news, if green Bay wins in week one, wouldn't come to the 10 30. Cause I'm going to be horrible. If, I, <laughs> if Jordan Love wins that game, I'm going to be a horrible person for a day. Yeah, and and on on Jordan Love, I think it's very interesting, right? There's been a ton of quarterback dis. There's always quarterback discourse, but especially in the wake of the trade, Lance failed experiment and move on, right? Where you look at Jordan Love as a similar thought process and letting him sit, letting him grow, but certainly entirely different circumstances, and especially in the NFL, where hey, all all the first round rookies are starting this year even when maybe they probably shouldn't out the gate. And, and yep. there's discourse around the type of quarterback, a, a Bryce Young type that's very on schedule, on script, getting the ball out, is a much different quarterback than an Anthony Richardson who's just got a cannon arm and he's going to he's gonna learn on the job, right? Well, Jordan I mean, Love probably leans more towards the Anthony Richardson rawness in a sense, but he's had that time to curate, to learn from Rodgers and grow. And I, I think just in terms of, the league and letting guys sit, which hasn't really been the the in vogue thing. It, I'm very curious to see it play out with Jordan Love and see like, hey, did did it work? Right. Once you get one thing that works, it's a copycat league. Does does that affect downstream of maybe not the the top five type of guys, but yeah, if you're taking guy middle of the first round, back of the first round, are you more prone to sit them as opposed to getting a quick hook on whoever your starter is? Well, and that's so. Great point, because when Anthony Richardson was drafted, he, he I'll use him as the test case of I knew what was coming at the combine. I knew he was, I knew it was going to be unreal. But I also knew if you really watch this guy at Florida, there were blips of just really not great quarterback play, bad decision making and raw talent that hasn't been. You know, around he's only started for one year the college mm -hmm. level. So he was a guy that 10, 15 years ago, he was definitely sitting his rookie year. So when the grading curve comes on him, you know, there's definitely going to be some ups and downs with him this year and Bryce young, but for other reasons. And who's the other rookie quarterback that's starting right away. Uh, Stroud. Stroud. Stroud will be ups and downs, but out oh, yeah. of the Ohio state pipeline, I like him the most because he's very accurate. He's yep. very accurate with the football. Um, I like him more than Fields, and, and I'm saying that because of that. Something interesting I heard from a Bears analyst this week was these Ohio State quarterbacks have to almost rewire themselves in the NFL because they're throwing to Garrett and Chris, and everyone's open where you're kind of seeing the field deep to short. The NFL, you have to go the other way. You know, when they're at Ohio State, Marvin's open. Even if Marvin's not open, you can throw it to Marvin. And that's an interesting point because – you know, Aaron Rodgers played at Cal. When's Cal been good since? Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that I kind of look at sometimes. It's like, yeah, when, when was NC State good without Phillip Rivers mm -hmm. you know, or Russell Wilson? Those are the guys that I kind of latch on to in the NFL. You got a few more questions here, Bill. Uh, this is a this is a good one. Without getting too deep, how would you compare? It's funny. It's almost a mirror image. Yeah. How would you compare the Jets' current pass catching options, wide receiver, running back, tight end, with what the Packers had in twenty twenty one? Well, I mean, could, Sliz was talking about that earlier. I mean, they they went to Aaron Rodgers went to Devontae one hundred and sixty nine times that year. I was kind of mm -hmm. playing around with Pro Football Reference while you were rattling off those stats. So, I mean, comparable, right? I mean, but the thing with that Green Bay team that year was. When in doubt, it was Devontae, but in the playoff game, it was a little too much Devontae. And here's the fairest way I can describe Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs to people is there are four or five playoff losses that, yes, Green Bay didn't do enough to help him or he carried the team and put him on the back. I would argue the Tampa Bay loss and the 49ers' last loss, the last two losses, you can't use talent as an excuse. They had dudes. They had mm -hmm. Devontae. They had a good offensive line. Bakhtiari losing him before Tampa Bay game hurt. You know, there was a throw in that 49ers game. He missed the Lazard. So, I mean, comparable at the receiver end. Tight end-wise, that depends on how much faith you have. Green Bay drafted two rookies to play tight end. So it's probably wash at best. I know 
I would probably take the Jets backfield slightly over the Green Bay backfield because I like Brees a little more. He's younger. And Dalvin, I, I like him more than you, Joe, just because I've watched it. But mm-hmm. it's fair either way, I think. So he's got the same supporting cast, the offensive line. Green Bay is probably a little bit better. But here's the difference, guys. Jets defense is better. Oh, yeah. it's, yep. it's better. And they've got, you know, one of the best. We can play a game as Jair Alexander better than Sauce Gardner. I'll probably take Sauce Gardner. I won't say that outside this podcast. I'll, <laughs> I'll deny it. I'll deny it next Tuesday. But hey, I'm um, I'm a big Jair guy. So like when yeah. when Sauce fans were going nuts, I was like, man, you can't put him over Jair yet. Jair's a stud, and he's proven it over a long a long sample size. Right. But and, but Sauce been doing it since Cincinnati. So yeah, I mean the roster makeup is very similar to what Green Bay had in 21, if Garrett Wilson is that dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Orr, question from George Orr. Do you think Jim Harbaugh has been worth his contract? Also, do you think Pat Narduzzi has the ability to make Pitt a constant winner? Well, I mean, Harbaugh, there's another guy everybody has opinions on. Um, <laughs> I think what he inherited at Michigan versus what he's been able to do with it has been pretty impressive if you really think about it. He was three years behind Urban Meyer. And uh, it took time. But the last two years have kind of shown he got back to what he does. They run the football. They hammer it. The TCU game was a pretty flagrant bad loss. I'll admit that. That was bad. But, you know, they're they're doing the things the way he wants to do it. Like I said, as far as a voice in college football, Jim Harbaugh counts. I think he does a fantastic job of advocating for student athletes. His suspension to start this season is ridiculous. And, um, you know, I think he's been worth what Michigan paid to get. And the next step now is they have to win a playoff game. They're pretty loaded this year. They've got 18 to 20 NFL guys on that roster. um, And they found something, a way to beat Ohio State, which after two decades of not doing it, it's pretty good. Uh, Second question on Pat, I think they are consistent. I think they, you know, the ACC, the way that they've been able to do that, he produces NFL talent more than, Pitt was doing before he got there he's a good guy he's one of the coaches I very much enjoy talking to him I talked to him in the spring I got a good Pat Narduzzi story for you he was like I here's my Pat Narduzzi story um a couple Christmases ago it was about December 22nd and I had called him for something I'm in the store parking lot I've got to get like my wife one last gift for Christmas and I'm trying to go in Pat calls and I'm like and I, this conversation started. And he's like, oh, we can talk. And so we ended up talking for minutes. I was like, man, I got to get in here and get this gift. And he's like, you don't need to do that. You need to talk about this. And he ran down some things with, uh, you know, what do they really do well is produce NFL defensive linemen. Not just Aaron Donald, but some of these guys that have, they've had come up through since are uh, Kalijah Kansi, Rashad Weaver. And they do a really good job at that position group. I think they're positioned well when the ACC uh, – expands or doesn't expand or whatever they do. Pitt's going to be a player in that because they've proven it. They're in a good part of the country and um, they have the best SID in the world in EJ Borghetti. So I I enjoy Pitt and uh, I I like Pat. Pat's a little bit eccentric like I am and eccentric people like each other. Uh, Let's see. Fishbird's question. Now that the Rogers era is officially over, what would you change in regards to anything in regards to how Rogers and the roster has been handled since loves drafting? They needed one more receiver. They needed, and it like people were like, well, they could have drafted T. Higgins. That's one that sticks, like, but they drafted Jordan Love. So, yes, they could have had T. Higgins, and you kind of watch what T does with the Bengals and been like, that would have been nice for a year. I mean, they needed one more receiver, whether it was going to trade for one. That of all the misses they had, the Tampa Bay one probably hurt the most. Or, no, it didn't. The one that hurt the most was the, the botched onside kick with Bostic. And, nah. But Aaron Rodgers was running around on one leg in that game. So, yeah, I mean, just that going – the Packers notoriously don't go all in for that one or two guys. And the last time they did it, they went and got Charles Woodson. They won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That was that, like, splash free agent signing. And he was amazing in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, so – that would be what I would say. I, I, I don't mind the way they draft. I really don't because as much draft content gets kicked around, it's like, 
they still got to play. And they nobody knows anything, right? Nobody knows they, anything. Bill. You say that all the time, and you're right because nobody knows anything about anything. And then you know they either hit or they miss. But I, I think Green Bay drafts well. I think their their organization is big on stability and quarterback play helps. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say just that one more receiver would have made a difference. Uh, we're going to close it out here. The last question that we have, I know we had a few more, unfortunately we're not going to get all to all of them, but what's your record prediction for the jets and for the Packers this year? Well, I, I said, you know, glass half full, I think I'll do the glass half full Packers prediction. I'll say nine and eight and whether that's enough to get in. We'll see. I think the jets will go 10 and seven. NFC is weak. This, I mean, NFC has been like Eagles. Yes. Yes. 49ers. I, I get the same. Maybe. I, I maybe, get the same maybe, vibe maybe. from the 49ers as I do the Bills. It's <laughs> right. it's all on Purdy this year, man. It's, it's a, all on Purdy. That's why the Lions hype's out there because they they'll probably get in too. I think Green Bay will get in as like a seven. Seattle's getting slept on a little bit mm-hmm. in the NFC. I mean, if they were able to do it last year with Geno, I think they're pretty good. And then. If you got to hear the Giants hype anymore, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw myself off my balcony. It's a big year for big year for Dak. I can't I can't hear any more Giants hype. I can't. I just can't Joe, deal with it. Joe loves Brian Dable. It's not that uh, I dislike <laughs> Brian Dable. I just like can we do it for a second year before we like anoint this guy? You know, like I, I just will, yeah. I I'll know. say Dallas. You know, they'll they'll probably get in the playoffs too. And then it's a big year for Dak. But to, for the Jets, I'll say 10 and 7, 11 and 6 if they win in week one. I think, I think 11 and 6 is like right in the, right the sweet spot. For 10 and 7, 11 and 6, first round game at Paul Brown Stadium. You guys can have me back on. I'll invite my <laughs> Bengals buddies and they can tell you how much they hate Aaron Rodgers. But uh, hey, no, that's, I, I think that's within road trip distance for me, I might have to have to go there with some coworkers if, it, if we're playing, playing the Bengals in the so, road. That'd so be see, how, see how objective I am? I picked the Jets to have a Thanks. better record than the Packers. Thank you. Telling lies that. all night. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. So, so Bill, we discussed a little bit with the landing strip. What's on your mind? Anything anything new and exciting happening in the, in the world of Bender? No, I mean, you know, you, as I think, you know, if I could promote sporting news for a second, I mean, we, we do work hard over there. We're kind of like we don't have the – the manpower or some of the resources that some of the big websites do, but we've got a really hardworking staff over there. I know you do a hell of a job. I know I, I get after it on the college side. We have passionate people that are, that care about sports. And like I said, that ca- I'll say that for my landing trip, the casual fan thing drives me crazy because it's 2023. Everybody can look up everything. Everybody can watch everything. I think football fans are extremely a lot of them are smarter than they're given credit for and they deserve good content. And that's what we try to do over there at sporting news. Yeah. I think the, the that's fair. The, the term the discord uses is football zombies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now there are a lot of fans that don't know what they're talking about. They, oh they yeah. Ruin it for everybody else. But uh, oh yeah, we, we, we know we to... won't name any names on here. Non ball knowers, <laughs> but that's all right. We know we try to get after it. And uh, no, this was fun, man. I, I enjoyed this a lot and uh, it's football season. We'll be busy all the time. Hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Sliz, what's on your mind? Yeah, man. I guess I guess I'll start with college footballs here. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a college football guy. I got to figure out how to get up for a game or two. Bill, Bill, I had twins earlier in the year, so it's been uh it's been a little chaotic this year. But um, yeah, I always gotta gotta sneak up to Ross Aid for at least one tailgate and hopefully get a good matchup. Bring the twins with you. Well, congrats. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> mine are uh, mine are eleven and oh no, twelve and nine. See, I'm okay. already lost a year, and it does not get easier. So yeah. it's yeah. it's oh, fun though. You, you'll have fun. Oh yeah, yeah big that, time. Yeah, yeah I got that. Awesome. And and my wife and I, Joe. I know. I know. I'd plugged uh, doing a bike ride with with my my oldest one a little bit ago. My wife and I did a little a little ten miler. Snuck out. Had mother in law watch him. Bike biked uh, to a food establishment, grabbed something, and ate there, and then biked on the way back. It was awesome, man. Now yeah. that the the humidity broke, the weather's like acceptable again. It's it's back to normal, and yeah, it was awesome. I haven't I haven't biked like done more than just biking around the block in forever. It was nice to get out, enjoy the weather, kind of disconnect for a little bit. That recommend it. So for my landing strip thought, I just want to say chocolate milk is good. 
You know, like when's the last time you had a nice cold glass of chocolate milk, man? Hey, I and, I love chocolate milk. I okay. I am I am on this take. Let me let me ask you: Do you do you like a like the chocolate? All right, you have options. Do you buy the pre-made chocolate milk? Do you put the Hershey syrup in the chocolate milk, or do you the powder? I would put Hershey syrup in it. That's Hershey syrup. Right. That's the way I would. Do I it. like a pre-made chocolate milk. There you go. Yeah. I'm usually a Hershey syrup guy, although being health conscious, been on the Ovaltine kick mm. the past couple of years. So Ovaltine with some chocolate protein powder. Oh, all right. Basically, just make up a big, big chocolate milk protein shake. All right. That's, that's the way I roll. Acceptable. Uh, but that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel. Uh, obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Pandora. Please leave us a five-star review where applicable. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, also, we're obviously live on, on Tuesday nights now on YouTube at youtube.com slash at Jet Fuel Podcast. It's been a ton of fun. Join us in the chat. It's you know The guys in the chat are always nut jobs, but it's always been a lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. You can find Sliz. Where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, Sliz underscore NYJ. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. And Bill, I, you have your your yeah, handle up there. Where can the people find you and your work? At Bill Bender ninety two. Um, that's it. Yeah, Bill's a hardworking guy, man. Bill's a hardworking guy. We get yeah. after it. You can always send us an email at jetfuelpodcast at gmail And Sliz, how can the people join the Discord? discord.gg slash ny jets come uh come get hype man season's around the corner we got we got cut downs and i know we didn't talk much jets roster and all that next week do not do not panic folks we aren't going into the season without a punter there (laughs) there are moves to be made we're it's just it's just the cut down cut down uh roster gymnastics thomas morstead will be back i promise yeah but for a bill bender Matt Szilard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without jet fuel. Bill, 